Good morning, Trauma Tribe. I'm Chelsea, and you are listening to Dear Me, You Survived. Got my coffee brewing, and it's really early. Well, for me, it is. It's 7 o'clock in the morning, and my children are still sleeping, so um, I decided I would come out to my studio and get this episode put out for you. Um... Just a little hooray for us. Um, Our anniversary just passed of confronting our abuser, June 2nd, three years ago. So, yeah for us. Who would have thought that I would be here now talking to you guys um, with my abuser in jail? It's definitely something to celebrate. So, um, the episode today is going to be one of our trauma tribe that we have made for ourselves here, our group of trauma survivors, trauma supporters. Her name is Adrian, and I really, really enjoyed talking to her. I enjoy talking to everybody that writes in. You know, I'm really a nervous, awkward person, but I feel like when I'm talking with one of you guys, like it just feels so like fluid, like it just flows because I feel like we relate so much. Um, just a reminder, if you do want to submit your story or if you want to be on the podcast, you can email me at Chelsea Mark. That's C-H-E-L-S-E-A-M-A-R-K. 3191 at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram and we can message there. That is CSA underscore trauma tribe. That's on Instagram. Um, you can remain anonymous or you can use your name. That's up to you, whatever you're comfortable with. Um, but we'll go ahead and get um, Adrian speaking about her story. Very strong, very powerful woman, and I hope you guys enjoy. So how did you find me? How'd you find my podcast? So I literally, I feel kind of like embarrassed about that, which I shouldn't, but I literally Googled like podcasts about sexual abuse and um there was like a list I don't know if you've seen if you've seen like the list but there was like a website with a list and yours was on the list oh yeah no I did not know that I did get an email and it was like your podcast is in the top 10 so I did click on it to see like what it was all about but um it seemed like some of the podcasts were about specifically child sexual abuse and then some of them just had like mentioned so maybe that's where it was I don't know right and did you um I listened to like I think most of your episodes I've listened to um and one of them said that your sister or something was on another podcast and you got more kind of um listeners from that yes that's cool did you did you uh find hers no I want to listen to it what's it called she is on shoot what is it called um other people's lives okay and what and it was it what's her name again savannah i don't know if it i don't know if it'll say her name though i think the title is um i put my own father in jail or something like that. okay sorry i shouldn't have asked her name no no that's okay she she's very open just like i am i'm still trying to get her on here but we have uh schedule conflicts that would be awesome yeah hopefully one day yeah so I came across your podcast I really liked it um and I liked the name I'm so glad to hear that (laughs) sometimes I'm like is it too long but okay perfect (laughs) and all right I know you're in the states right yes I'm actually in California oh that's nice (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why, but I was expecting you to have an accent. <laughs> okay, <maybe it> <laughs> I 
<laughs> no, I feel like our like our accent like just sounds. I don't know. Like, I think some people do have accents that live in certain parts of Canada, but I have like family oh. in Seattle, and I feel like we sound pretty similar. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I wonder what our accent's gonna be like, but no, there's no accent. But I can always <laughs> tell if someone's American if they're like pasta. Oh. <laughs> the way that Americans say pasta, Hello? they say it like pasta. Oh, I'm sorry, you broke up. What'd you say? Oh, I said um. I can always tell if someone is American by how they pronounce pasta because I feel like they say it like pasta. <laughs> yes, pasta. That's how I say it. <laughs> That's a random yeah. determiner. Alrighty, so let's get into it. Um, can you just give me a little background on your childhood and your family dynamic? Sure. Um so I'm 28. Um, I work at, I'm a social worker now. Um, I have a twin brother and I have an old sister who's two years older. Um, my parents are divorced. I grew up like in Canada. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, my parents divorced when I was like a baby. Um, and I would say like I had a pretty bad, um, or pretty poor, like, relationship with my mom, which I think is kind of relevant because mm-hmm. I've heard that people will often, like, perpetrators will often kind of, like, seek out people who are, who are more vulnerable because of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes people specifically look for, like, a partner that they can see that in sometimes. Right. Yeah. Um. Your your work in social work, does that, like, is it hard to do because of, you know, your past? I feel, so I don't work with children. I have worked with children in the past, but I found that, like, mm-hmm. pretty triggering. Um, I work with yeah. adults now, like, in a um, psychiatric um, hospital. Um, and for the most part, I don't find it triggering just because they're usually kind of dealing with other stuff but like once in a while I do um like for example and like you're 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 only using my first name right (laughs) okay yes um like if I have like a client that let's say they have a history of like being a sex offender I'm not gonna lie like that's not easy (laughs) um Yeah. yeah I can imagine yeah Right off the bat, I would not want anything to do with that person. No, especially if it's, like, an offense to do with a minor. Like, that's even yeah. just, like, I feel disgusted. And, like, I don't want people to, like, come for me when they hear this and be like, oh, I shouldn't be doing that job. But, like, I mean, I don't show that. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't know... I can understand people saying, oh, you shouldn't be in it or whatever, but I don't know anybody that even hasn't been abused that would say, okay, let's treat this sex offender as a normal person. Exactly. Or like someone <laughs> that has never been abused probably doesn't love, mm-hmm. you know, clients when they've um, done that either. So, right. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I thought about going into social work, but like, you know, as far as working with children that are going through stuff in life like I don't think I could be able to do it either I would be crying like every case it's really sad yeah yeah so your relation to your abuser um who what would that be so so there's two like perpetrators um but the first one is my stepdad so Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was married to my mom. Well, they weren't technically married, but they were, like, common law. I don't know if you have that right. in the States. but yeah. um, And they got together when I was, like, nine, and they moved in together. Okay. Yeah. Um, were there any signs of potential abuse, like, was there any time that he kind of like something made you uncomfortable or anything like that before the abuse happened? 
Definitely. Like when I look back, I can totally see that there was like an entire grooming process that happened that of course I didn't recognize at the time. Um, Mm -hmm. But when I look back, I can totally see it. Yeah. Yeah. So was your first encounter, was that like pretty early on with the relationship with your mom? Yeah. Basically they moved into like a house together. Um, They were just like renting it. And it was, like, a pretty big house. Um, And she, like, my mom, she would be working or gone in the evenings a lot. Um, And basically, I, like, because I didn't have um, a good relationship with her, um, I think he noticed that. And I think he, I also didn't have a very good relationship with my dad with my own dad to be honest so yeah. I think and I think he knew that um oh there's one like weird kind of like memory that sticks out to me and like I don't know what you'll think of this because like I don't have kids myself but um my dad at the time bought me like a swimsuit to where I was nine and it was it was like mm-hmm. kind of like a little bikini that you'd buy for a kid but it wasn't like super you know revealing or anything um and I I really wanted it so he bought it for me and I went to my mom's house I remember her just like getting so angry at me and like calling me like um I don't know can we say bad words on this yeah you say whatever you want (laughs) I hate the word slut I like I don't like that word it's misogynistic but anyways I remember her calling Mm -hmm. me that and I was like nine and I didn't even know what that yeah. word meant. And, like, you know, when I look back, I'm like, why were you, like, so weird about me wearing that? But I wonder if it's yeah. because she saw, like, her husband, kind of, I don't know, kind of grooming me or, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. But um, anyway, um, he, so, yeah, she would be gone. And then he would, um, he would... I would, she had this thing where she wouldn't allow us to like be in her room or like be in her Mm -hmm. bed ever. But like for some reason, we always wanted to be in her bed because she just had this like big old bed. Mm -hmm. And so when she was gone, I would go in her bed and he would be in there and he would invite me in and I would like lay in this bed with him. And I just thought, like, I didn't think it was weird. Um, Right. Yeah. Because, like, with my own dad, like, my own dad was not inappropriate with me ever. And, like, sometimes I would, like, Mm -hmm. lay in his bed with him or even sleep in his bed if I had a bad dream or something. So I didn't think it was weird. Um, And he would always be watching. Like, do you guys have the Discovery Channel? Yeah, he'd always be, like, watching that. Oh, I hate that channel now. Um, (laughs) By the way, I'm, like, laughing. It's, like, not funny. But I think it's, like, a defense mechanism. So... Uh, definitely. That's definitely. okay. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, yeah, he'd always be watching that show, like different shows. Anyway, um, he would be like cuddling with me, which I mean, I don't think it's super weird, but at the same time, I had like just met him, so it's not like I'd kn- like grown up with him being my stepdad or anything. Um, and then he would kind of started like kissing me on the lips. Um, which I, again, I didn't think it was that weird because my dad sometimes would like, just give me like a peck kiss on the lips, um, Mm -hmm. or my mom. So I didn't think it was that weird, but then he would like French kiss me like with his tongue. And Mm -hmm. even though I was only nine, I do remember thinking like that it wasn't normal because I had this like reference with my own dad where I was like, oh, like my dad doesn't do that this is kind of weird and I thought it was like kind of gross but I in some ways I think I really um liked the attention that I was getting because Mm -hmm. I didn't get very much attention from my mom or dad and so I think um any attention even if it's like you know shitty attention is nice for a kid Yeah. yeah I mean, because, yeah, it kind of shows, like, okay, this person actually does care about me, and I don't feel cared about with this parent or this parent, but this 
other additional parent is making me feel, you know, loved. And that's probably, you know, part of it too. Right. Yeah, exactly. And in some ways I knew that, and yeah, I guess from, I guess from there, yeah, it just kind of progressed with him kind of like touching me, like, um, over my clothes kind of at first and like, kind of like putting his hands a little bit under my clothes and like at this by this time like I knew that this was like not right I mean I didn't have Mm -hmm. the like vocabulary of like sexual abuse or even sex or anything like that but I knew that it just like wasn't normal because like again my dad had never done that with me and also he actually didn't tell me like oh don't say this to anyone but I just intuitively like knew that I wasn't supposed to somehow yeah um but again I liked the attention I guess from it um Mm -hmm. and then there was one day like so yeah at this point that's kind of all that had happened and then at one point um uh we were all having dinner like my mom my stepdad me my brother and my sister and my brother and sister were like trying to get me in trouble to my mom just like how siblings do and they were like oh um when you're at um work adrian is always in bed with him like in your bed like in your blankets you know and like i don't have kids but i feel like if i did and like that was said i would like look into that you know yeah definitely but my mom oh sorry go ahead so your siblings, they kind of knew, like, what was going on or not really? They just knew that you were in they there? They just knew that I was in there a lot, but they didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And I remember when they said that, I was like, oh, shit, like, what's going to happen? But literally, my mom just said nothing. She just kept eating her dinner. And then he, like, stood up and started yelling at them. And he was like, you're just trying to get her in trouble. Like, stop that. And, like, at the time, I actually felt like, wow, he really cares about me because he's standing up for me against my brother and sister, which is crazy. But I felt like, wow, he's got my back. Which is, Mm -hmm. like, he obviously didn't. He just had his own back, you know? Right. He was trying to do damage control. Yeah, exactly. And then, um, so after that, it really just continued and kind of went on. And then I guess there was one night um where it kind of like progressed and and do you want me to get into that yeah you can get into that and I don't as long as you feel and I don't want to be like too graphic or like I don't want to trigger anyone um so no you you say whatever you're comfortable saying um so yeah one night I I think I was nine still it was like in the summertime so school is off and um I woke up and I couldn't I couldn't sleep so I went upstairs like to get a drink of water and he was up um and I don't know what time it was but it was dark out and it was the summer um and then he asked me if I would go downstairs with him like to the basement and give him a massage which um I didn't think was weird at all because at the time I wanted to be a massage therapist when I grew up, so, <laughs> which is kind of funny, but, um, <laughs> so it was like practice, right. It was just like normal, you know? So I was like, sure. Yeah. Um, but I remember being scared that my mom was going to wake up and I was like, uh, like, is mom going to come down? And he was like, no, no, she's not. And somehow he, he seemed to just know that she wasn't. And I don't know how he knew that, but he said that um and then so we went downstairs and I started giving him a massage and um it wasn't weird at all um and then he asked me if he could give me a massage and then at that point I thought that it was weird because in my brain I was like nobody ever wants to give a massage (laughs) everyone always wants to get one but it's never right like the the other way around so I was like oh this Mm -hmm. is kind of weird but I was I'm I started to feel uncomfortable in like a way that I've never really felt so I was like but I at the same time it's like he's my stepdad I I kind of felt like I had to just like 
respect him. And so I just, I thought, okay, I'll just say yes and I'll just get it over with. So, and then I can go to bed. So I was like, okay. So he starts massaging me and then, um, and I was on my stomach and then he like pulled me over, um, to my back and then kind of like took off my clothes, started touching me. And then I remember he asked me like a question, like he was like, is this okay? And like, I didn't say no, but I didn't say yes. I just said nothing because I just like, it was like, I couldn't speak, you know? Yeah. You're probably in shock. Yeah. I was in total shock and, um, and it's like freeze flight fight I've heard of another one too fawn I don't know if you've heard of that one but um I don't I don't know if that's mm-hmm. an official one but um I guess fawn, fawn <laughs> is when you kind of like try to be really nice to the person um but anyway yeah. I guess I just froze and I couldn't speak and then yeah he started like sexually assaulting me and um I remember just being really upset and wanting to um ask him to stop and I kept like in my head practicing how to say that and rehearsing Mm -hmm. it and then I would try to say it and like no words would come out it was crazy and I remember just like looking outside like um at the moon and stuff and also I was wearing pajamas that he took off me but I didn't have underwear on because I just never slept with underwear and I was like thinking like oh I should have worn underwear or those like maybe this wouldn't have happened um and then afterwards um uh went to my room and I was just crying but again I didn't really know why I was crying because I didn't really know like I didn't know how to articulate what had happened or like what even is rape or sex or anything like that um and then Mm -hmm. after that it just continued and um he became really kind of um brazen about it like my mom and him had like a very small little like yacht and we would go like boating Mm -hmm. and um they would be like on the roof of the boat like sun tanning and he would literally be like raping me in the little cabin below (gasps) and like they were and like it was a really small boat you know and they just thought oh she's having a nap with him like that's what he would say which is like I don't know I think it's weird like Again, I don't yeah. have kids, but I feel like I would think, like, I don't know. Check up right. on that. Like, not yeah. that I think there's anything wrong with, like, having an app with the stepdad, but I would just be, like, you know, maybe look into it. But, um, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That is so heartbreaking. I'm, like, speechless. I don't even know what to say. Yeah, and... The crazy thing is, like, I remember them playing, like, those movies in school. Like, I don't know if they played these at your school, but um, just, like, those little movies about, like, oh, um, like, sexual abuse or, like, bad touch. And I remember those, but for some reason, I didn't equate that to, like, what was happening to me. Um, I just didn't. I don't know why. But um, then I decided, like, that went on for, like, two years, basically. Like, from when I was nine until I was 11. Um, and mm-hmm. then I decided that I wanted to just live with my dad full time. Um, and so one day, like I went to my dad's house on the weekend and I just didn't want to go back and my dad just didn't make me go back. And then like somehow he went to, um, a, like child custody court and just said like, oh, she doesn't want to go back. And I guess because I was 11, the judge like allowed me to decide, um, And then, um, I didn't even, like, a few months later, I, my dad's partner, she was, like, doing my hair, and I sort of made a bit of a disclosure to her, like, not about everything, but I just said, like, oh, he touched Mm -hmm. me, or I said something like that, and so she told my dad, and then my dad, like, kind of, um, you know, he freaked out and called the police and stuff, and then, like, I had to go speak to the police but before I went to the speak to the police um or in, uh, like where we were it was actually the RCMP I don't know if you've heard of that but um no it's a type of Canadian police but um 
Yeah. Okay. But um, anyway, um, so we went to speak to the RCMP, and he, um, they went to question him beforehand, and they literally did not even bring him to the station. They just went, like, to my mom and his house, and they're like, hey, did you do this? And he was like, no. And they were like, okay. <laughs> I-, I know this because oh my, my sister and brother were there, and, like, they told me. Um, so it's yeah. not like they ever, like, interrogated him or anything. And then um, they kept my brother and sister living there. And he was like, wow. yeah, I never did anything. And then my mom called me and was like, okay, like, don't, um, don't tell them anything when you go in for the interview or like, I'm never going to talk to you again. So, wow. yeah. And like, I really wanted um, this relationship with her that I'd never really had. And so when I went in for the interview, I really just said nothing. And um so they couldn't do anything because I just wouldn't say anything. But then again, they really didn't make much of an effort to like look too much into it either, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they never took me to like a doctor or any kind of like social worker or like therapist or like anything. They just they were like, Okay, and that was that. Um yeah. That seems pretty common, actually. It's like uh, abuse upon children. It's It doesn't seem like it's ever really taken seriously. That's a huge no. issue. And, like, this was in 2006, but, like, that doesn't even feel like that long ago. Um, no. No. Mm-mm. And so at that point, um, I just lived at my dad's house for a few, like, years. And my brother and sister lived at my mom's, so they would, like, come on the weekend. But... Then mm-hmm. when I was like 15, um, my brother moved in full time to my dad's and we're, yeah. we're twins. Like we're obviously we're not identical twins. We're fraternal twins. Cause he's a guy and I'm a girl, but um, yeah, he, mm-hmm. he didn't really have any friends. He had like a lot of social anxiety and he would pretty much like play video games for like, eight, I don't know, eight hours a day, something crazy. But so mm-hmm. I, when he came, he switched schools to like my new school that was near my dad's house. And so, um, I took him to like a Halloween party and then we were 15 and then, um, we fell asleep. And then the next morning he like asked me if I would like basically flash him like my breasts. And Mm -hmm. I remember thinking like, by now it's like I'm 15 I'm like what the fuck you know and I remember thinking like I thought he was joking like I was like that's a really sick joke and him he was like no I'm serious and I was like have you ever like seen a girl like topless before and he was like no and I was like why would you want your first memory of that to be your sister like that's so fucked and then he's like okay I'm sorry but then after that basically he would just constantly like I'd be showering and he would come in the bathroom because I wouldn't I didn't used to lock the door um because I didn't need to but he would come in and just open the shower curtain or I would be in bed and I would like wake up and he'd be like touching me Mm -hmm. this this is my twin twin? brother which I know is like so fucked like oh I just Like, I feel embarrassed to even say that because it's just like, it's, it's like something from a horror movie. I know, but like, I think that's a lot of the issue is like, we take on that embarrassment, even though we're not the one doing it. I understand. I understand definitely where you're coming from. Because, you know, me with my biological dad, I was embarrassed too. But they're the ones that initiate that and try to take on you know, that, uh, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you're right. Um, that, that reputation. And like but, um, sickness. So, you're right. It's that. Right. So, um, you know, did you ever like tell him anything or did he just kind of just stop? No. So I realized, like, I realized that I would have to tell my dad, um, because, the thing is, I didn't even want to tell my dad for, like, myself. I was so just worried that I knew that if you are, like, you know, assaulting your sister, like, I knew that you're not, like, a normal person. And I did not want him to right. grow up to be, like, a rapist or something. So I was like, 
I want him mm-hmm. to get like psychological help. Um, he would also text me like we did have cell phones at that time and he would text me. This was in like 2010. He would text me when we were at high mm-hmm. school and he'd be like, oh, like I'm going to rape you when we get home. And I would tell him like, you know, I would ask him not to. And he would say like, um, I'm going to kill myself. You know, he would say stuff like that. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. And so I, I really cared about him, even though he's doing this to me because like he's my brother. Uh, or, yeah, he yeah. he's my brother. Um, And so I wanted to get like help for him. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to tell my dad. But I was so scared to tell my dad because I'm like, oh, my dad's going to like kill him. So one day I yeah. tell my dad and my dad literally he was like, I don't believe you. And uh, what? Yeah. he just said, I don't believe you. So then I showed him text messages between my brother and I about the abuse. And, and my dad was like, still, he's like, I don't believe you. You fabricated those texts. Like he probably sent them from his phone or something. And then I said, okay. just ask him. Like, I was like, I think he'll admit it. And so my dad asked my brother and he admitted it. Mm-hmm. And my dad, and my dad wow. was like, oh, okay, well don't wear shorts around the house. You shouldn't be wearing shorts. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, because shorts are going to prevent him from opening the shower while you're in the shower. Yeah, no kidding. So, and at the time, like, now it's, like, I'm older and I know that, like, even if someone is, like, naked, doesn't mean you can, like, rape them. But um, at the time, I really took that on when he said that. And I felt, like, totally, I just felt really, like, unsafe in my home because I felt like mm-hmm. I couldn't get away from this. And then after that, and the, yeah. the sad thing also is that he should have done something to, for my brother mm-hmm. as well, like put told the police so that he would get sent to like some kind of treatment program, which would have helped him. Um, because mm-hmm. unfortunately, so um, when I was 18, I basically got away from there as soon as I could. Um. Yeah. I moved, like, pretty far away. Like, I lived in Europe for a few years, and I did my degree there. Um, but I had this, like, nagging feeling, like, probably two years ago, um, so when I was 26, that I should report what he did um, because mm-hmm. I was worried, like, what if he's doing this to other girls? Like, what if he grew up to be, like, a sex offender? And so yeah. um, I went to, like, the RCMP once again, and... They told me that he was literally in, j- in jail, like incarcerated for um, mm-hmm. sexually assaulting a girl that was the same age as me when he did that to me. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Is he still there now? No. So this is going to blow your mind, the big difference between Canada and America. So like, I think in the States, like when you do go like to jail and get sentenced, you get like a lot longer sentence. In Canada, mm-hmm. he got what was considered a very long sentence. And just guess how long mm-hmm. it was. Uh, two three years. years. For three raping years. a minor. That wasn't me. A different girl. And that's oh considered God. a really long sentence. That's not a long sentence at and all. And that is like one of the really long ones that they'll go out. Especially because they said, oh, it's his first time. This was a really high um, sentence for him. They let him out after nine Mm -hmm. months for good behavior. Wow. And then the girl that he raped, she's now um, 18. And she reached out to me on Mm -hmm. Instagram. And so I know who Mm -hmm. she is. And we talked. And she told me, like, the police never told her... um, that he was coming out of jail and she had to run him downtown. And I don't know. It's just, it's fucked <laughs> in Canada. Yeah, that is so like, sad. I feel like people like that aren't American and don't live in the States have this perception of like, Oh my gosh, like the legal system in America is like fucked when it comes to like sexual assault. But like, I'm telling you, mm-hmm. it's like that in other places too. Yeah. Yeah, I see now. Nine months? No. That is nothing. Yeah. Oh, man. 
So have you talked to him like since um, becoming an adult or do you just stay away? I haven't seen him. He messaged me on Instagram like in like 2017 um, when I was in Europe and he he just messaged me out of the blue and he was like, what do you want for Christmas? I guess he felt bad for what he did and he wanted to like send me a gift. But I said, um, what I want for Christmas is for you to go to therapies and get some help so that you're not like, a, you know, gonna so that you can overcome the fact that you like, you know, molested me. Um, and he mm-hmm. just blocked me. So we haven't um, spoken since, since then. And I haven't seen him since like 2015. Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't reoffend. Yeah. I mean, I know he got caught the second time, but I don't know. It kind of seems like abusers are very repetitive with their habits. Right. Especially if they're only in jail for nine months. Um, yeah. But it has it has affected me a lot. Like, um, I don't have kids and I know like I listen to um, a podcast where you spoke about like being a mom and how like it's impacted your mm-hmm. relationship with your kids and that made me yeah. like really sad to hear that because uh, you just don't deserve that and um you yeah. seem like such a good mom and it just made it just made me sad um it made me like angry that mm-hmm. they that 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 he did that to you and I feel like for me like I want kids but I feel like when I do have them I'm gonna have the same problems that you have you know well I feel like I I started having children when I was 18 um I guess I'll say why um when I was young I felt very like unloved by my family and I when I was younger I really wanted to have kids at a young age to start my own family and I was like you know that's where I'll get my love from if I have a child um they'll love me unconditionally I'll have somebody that I can love equally you know so it was a very selfish decision and I made that de- decision before I ever even confronted the um trauma that I had inside of myself. Um, and I, I honestly didn't start confronting that trauma until I was three kids in. And then finally I started becoming like suicidal. So I was like, okay, I need to get help because I'm a mom now and I don't want to leave my children. So then I started getting therapy. And then from that therapy, um, I don't know, it just kind of woke something up in me to, to say like, I don't think I can forgive this person until I confront them. You know, a lot of times I tried religion and religion, it was like, you know, you have to forgive. And I tried that, but it never allowed me to heal. So I finally was like, you know what? Fuck this guy and fuck how it makes him feel. I'm going to confront him because he's never, he's never confronted it. He's never brought it up. He's hoping that maybe I forgot about it. I don't know. So then when I finally confronted him, that's when I finally was able to start healing. And now I feel like I'm finally able to um, <clears throat> find the the comfort and like, you know, my relationship with my children. Um, I just... I don't know, when my my children were younger, I I didn't even want to hug them. I didn't want to do anything because I was like, I don't want them to feel uncomfortable. Because when I was younger, you know, that my biological father was the one that abused me. So everything felt uncomfortable. So, I mean, if you do want children, I would just say make sure that you're healed. Make sure that you're with somebody that understands, you know, what your trauma is like and helps you with your trauma so that they can also help you with your relationship with your children. You know, I, I love my children and when they're younger, I hug them, I kiss them. It's just when they get older that I kind of feel like, okay, I don't, I don't want them to feel like this is inappropriate. So like, I kind of just started no affection when they get like four or five and then like, you know, that, that's it. So I would just say, you know, heal yourself before you, um, 
have a child that you're going to have to give your all to. Right. And that makes me like, just like angry for what he did to you because there's nothing wrong with like a mother's love for her children. And that's a beautiful thing. And I, or like a parent's love Mm -hmm. for their child. But I feel like he like twisted that for you. Yeah. Yeah. Angry. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And I don't feel like I'll ever be able to get that back. Um, You kind of just have to, it's kind of like a scar, like it's there forever and you kind of just have to work around it. This is something that I wanted to ask you. um, And I hope that it's okay. Um, Do you feel like it's impacted your like own like intimate life with like your, um, with your partner? Yes, definitely. I am very um, distant in my relationships. Um, <clears throat> my fiance tells me all the time, like, that I, I don't really notice it until it's been, like, a few days. But I will kind of isolate myself. And, like, I don't know. I, I don't reach out to be affectionate I kind of wait for them to come be affectionate with me and if they don't give me affection I just I don't notice it until it's been a few days and then also like the first sign of trouble even like a small little argument it's like fight or flight I'm already planning where I'm gonna move next if my kids are gonna trade schools like right away exhausting it's extremely exhausting extremely I actually recently did that and we had been together for I don't know four or five years and um we got in well now it's been like six but at that time it was four or five and we got into an argument and then we kind of like when I when I get in an argument I kind of just avoid them I don't want to talk to them I don't want to be around them I don't want to look at them um and he kind of reciprocates what Mm -hmm. I give off and within what two weeks I moved out I left I packed up my kids and we left and I started being super impulsive I bought I got an apartment that was extremely expensive I went and got a new car like I was just being so impulsive and now two years later I'm trying to get back stable I had to get rid of that car that I bought and get an older one and you know I I came back home I'm not in my apartment anymore so it's definitely affecting my relationship you know we're we're working on it now and it is getting better but it it does still affect my relationship Wow. And I think like the stuff that you like, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, of course, or a doctor, but like the stuff that you described Mm -hmm. really sounds like PTSD stuff to me. Yes, I think it is PTSD. And it's not only from my abuse as a child and my, um, I don't know, isolation, isolation from my parents but I also got into a relationship when I was I think 17 is when I met my Mm -hmm. children's father Um, and that relationship he was very narcissistic and I was on and off with him for about nine years so it's just been like trauma for me up until I was like I don't know 25 wow um so I'm definitely dealing with that still as a 32 year old hopefully it's not forever but I guess that would depend it doesn't surprise me that you ended up in that relationship because like what I've read is that when you are abused it's almost like you don't have normal boundaries and you don't understand you don't like a normal person that hasn't been abused would notice a red flag or when somebody's seems kind of abusive but it would take us almost longer to notice that mm-hmm. because it's been like normalized for us yeah mm-hmm. but yeah I mean I was 17 and I was dating a freaking 23 wow. year old man and that's who I had children with and yeah there definitely was no boundaries you know he cheated so many times and I just wanted somebody that was gonna understand me because 
I mean, even though he was a terrible person, as far as my emotions and like my PTSD from my abuse from my father, I feel like he understood me so much and he knew exactly what to do when I was feeling a certain type of way that I was like, nobody is ever going to understand me like he does. And I just became a person that I didn't even know. Like I was so willing to do whatever would make him happy just to stay in a relationship with him. Like he was cheating. I'm like, okay, do you want to have an open relationship? Or, you know, I just became somebody that was nothing like I had ever intended to be. Um, thinking back, like, I don't even recognize myself. Wow. So definitely trauma allows you to be in relationships with people and you just don't put up any boundaries. And, you just want to be loved. And is it okay if I ask, do your kids know, um, like your older kids, do they know what happened to you? My daughter, my oldest is yeah. 13. And I've kind of... Um, been telling her about it since she was maybe 10. Um, you know, I just kind of told her like about not even stranger danger. I'm like, you know, everybody talks about stranger danger, but you have to be careful with the people in your family. I just told her like when I was younger, somebody in my family did this and that. And then probably when she was 11, I was like, Hey, remember when I told you about somebody in my family hurting me? Because I told her it was someone in my family and she was afraid to go around any man in our family because she right. didn't know who it was. So I finally told her like, hey, I just want you to know, like, you don't have to be scared. It was my biological mm -hmm. father um, who we were never really around because he lived right. out of state. Um, so I did tell her who it was. And then the whole reason that I even confronted him was because my father was remarried. And his new wife was messaging me and was like, hey, we're going to come out and visit. I can't wait to meet you and the kids. And my daughter, knowing the extent and who it was and all of that, I was like, if I bring my daughter around the man who abused me as a child, like, what is that telling her? That right. it's okay. So I was like, I can't do that. I have to, you know, uh, set the example from my daughter so <clears throat> um that was around the same time when I actually confronted him it was just kind of festering in me because you know he was just living life like nothing um so I was like you know what I gotta do it so I was at work when I did it I'm like texting I'm at work I I deliver mail so I'm like delivering mail then texting back delivering mail texting back and then, yeah, it was just, it just went from there. Um, and even though it was, uh, even though it pertains mm -hmm. to my trauma, I feel like that was one of the best days of my wow. life. I love that. No, when I was listening to your episode about that, I was just like shook. Like You were like, yeah, I was at work. And I was like, holy shit this woman is like amazing because <laughs> like i don't think i can keep doing my job <laughs> i'm sorry for laughing yes it's, just, it's amazing and um wow and the fact that you just like texted him and you were like you know just fearless and i didn't know i was i was super impressed by that and was like wow she's so brave um the fact that he okay also this is what i was thinking when i listened to that episode i was like this man no no offense he is so stupid like what like yes. criminals are so fucking stupid because yes. like you'd think that he'd be like oh shit like maybe she's gonna go to the police with his sex maybe i'm happy that he was so stupid and yeah he, he admitted it like mm -hmm. i'm really happy about that but he must have just been he must have mm -hmm. been in so much denial thinking that you weren't going to do anything with those texts. I agree. Um, you know, he knows that as far as like, I don't want to, I don't want to bash my mom and I don't mean to bash my mom, but my relationship with my mom is right. not close. So me and him talking 
I feel like he knew that I didn't have anybody to go to that was going to, um, you know, help me take care of it. But it wasn't until I mentioned my younger sister who, um, whose mother was on the podcast on the fourth episode. It was, yes, it wasn't until I mentioned her, um, that he started trying to call me because I'm pretty sure he knew like, you know, my little sister obviously is going to go to her mom and her mom is going to, you know, start the shit storm. So once he tried calling my younger sister and she was crying and she hung up, that's when he started trying to call me and he wasn't really texting back with any information. So yeah, he definitely messed up in the beginning. Um, and I also didn't intend to go to the police. You know, he asked me like, are you going to go to the police? And I told him no. And it wasn't until um, my stepmom was like, do you guys want to go to the police? And my younger sister and my older sister, they didn't want to. And I was like, you know what? I have to do this for them. So I said, yeah, I'll do it. If they don't want to do it, um, I'm definitely going to do it. And then we all kind of got on board and yeah, we had good results. What was your experience like with the police? Like, did you find that they were like trauma informed and like supportive or like, what was that like going there? Not at all. Not at all. It was like a tennis match. We called Riverside and Riverside was like, oh, it didn't happen here. You need to call the state that it happened in, which was um, Nevada. So then I called Nevada and they're like, you don't live in Nevada. You need to call California. And we were like, we already called California. They told us to call here. So yeah, they were just hitting us back and forth, back and forth. Um, So my stepmom finally called and she was calling every single day until somebody was like, you know what, I'll take on this case because my sister was living in Arizona, but the abuse happened in Nevada. I was living in California. The Mm -hmm. abuse happened in Nevada. And then my older sister was living um, in the city we live in now, but her abuse happened in a different city. So I guess it was kind of a complicated case to take on. Um, But finally one person was like okay we'll take this and on. was it um thank was god was it someone in california him. if you don't mind me asking that finally agreed or no Mm-mm. well honestly like i'm not a police officer but like that makes sense to me i mean that's where it happened but yeah it's kind of fucked yeah. that you had to call so much and make such an effort to get somebody to take mm-hmm. this case on yet he's like walking around and he could be doing this yeah. to other people Right. And it was so crazy because there was an admission from him in my phone. Like we had proof that he did it. He admitted to it. He admitted to each of us, like admitted um, each of our name right. in the text messages and still like nobody was That's interested. That's insane because it's like a slam dunk. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even now, even though he admitted to me about abusing me, there's no charges on him for me because of the statute of limitations and they didn't provide any type of resources to me even though he admitted to me because the statute of limitations was reached like they have a victim um Mm -hmm. advocate i wasn't able to access the victim advocate because there was no charges on my name that's fucked there should be no statute of limitations yeah, I agree. And 100%. I listened to the episode where you spoke about this and where um, you played the recording of him from in court. If anybody that's listening mm-hmm. to this has not listened to that, I would highly recommend it. I don't even remember the name of that episode, but yeah, I, I think, think it's it the, the first, first Holy shit. Like, I'm lis- I was listening yeah. to him speaking. He was just like, ugh. And it's so crazy because in that recording, he sounds like such a pathetic little victim. And before he was caught, you know, he's always been like the big macho guy. And, you know, so to see him as a victim and crying and talking about God, mind you, he's I've never seen that man step into a church. 
he's never been about God, never been about church. And now he's talking about this book and that oh book. God. I was like, this guy Yeah, I was pathetic. listening to it and he was like referencing all these like scriptures and like, I was just like, this man is like just <laughs> turned so Christian and like, I don't think God's going to help you now. Uh-huh. I mean, I know people are like, oh, God mm-hmm. can help you anytime, but come on, you're a sex offender. And how convenient. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I uh, wanted to post the whole thing because I have the recording from the whole thing, but he's he drags on like, and then I read this book and it said this. And then I read this book and it said this. Nobody wants to hear all that. So I was like. And did the judge say anything at the end to him? No. I wish that the judge did. I wish too. I want. My stepmom recently went to this victim advocate seminar. She was able to speak there. And I'm planning to have a episode about it. But she was saying that when she was talking to the lawyers from the Victim Advocate Center, that the judge should not have allowed him to ramble on like that. Like they should have cut it off because they didn't even allow us to do our impact statements. I guess because he was taking the plea deal. I don't know. So we couldn't have our impact statement, but he was able to ramble on for 10 minutes about all of these books that he read. Didn't mention us. Yeah. Yeah. I never mention us at all. Say like, you know, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done this. Nothing. It's mm-hmm. just about scriptures. Yep. Yeah. He they should have let you that. speak. Like, even, I mean, I don't know how the law works there, but I feel like the judge can, um, has a lot of power and can, can make shit happen. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm yeah. kind of disgusted by that. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I don't know the laws and all of that, but I do feel like the judge could have right. had to say so. Um, but I don't know. Maybe maybe one day. Oh, one thing I wanted to say quickly, if we have time. Um, I, um, I would say that, yeah, it's, it's impacted me a lot. And I would say, yeah, like in relationships and like intimate relationships or like even just like normal sex life or things like that and like um like not to be like crude but yeah and I feel like that makes me angry because I think like sex is supposed to be like a beautiful um healthy normal natural Mm -hmm. thing but when this happens to you it really Mm -hmm. like robs you of that and it makes it into something that's like kind of disgusting kind of gross something that you don't really want to do and something Mm -hmm. that you feel like shame about and you feel weird about and um it shouldn't be like that and it makes me wonder, like, if this hadn't happened to me, what would I be like? Because I have a lot of problems, like, or, like, flashbacks, like, when mm-hmm. you're trying to be, like, having this really intimate moment with someone that you love, and you're this whole, right. getting this whole flashback of, like, your mom's husband or your brother, like, you know, raping mm-hmm. you or whatever, mm-hmm. playing in your head, and, like, it's pretty distracting Mm -hmm. to say the least and um it shouldn't be like that but you know yeah yeah it's hard not to think like what type of person would I be if this hadn't happened right and even like a couple days ago I was with my two of my friends who who I've been friends with since childhood and they're like sisters to me but like we never even we never talk about like um we never talk about anything to do with like sex ever. And I think I, for the first time really asked him something about something like not, not something super detailed or graphic, but anyways. And I was like, Oh, this is really weird. And they were like, no, like, it's not weird. Adrian, you're being weird. And I was like, yeah, I think I am because I just, <laughs> it's like ruined this, this shit for me to be mm-hmm. a normal yeah. conversation with my friend. Yeah. But instead it's like, it's weird, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I get that. 100%. Um, so I have a question for you. The, the goal for the future is to significantly reduce sexual abuse of children. What do you think can be done to make that happen? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, I love like what you did just with your own daughter, like talking to her about it, because I feel like some people are like, Oh, you shouldn't talk to your daughter about that. But no, you should, because that's, how you um because for me 
I didn't have the vocabulary to articulate what was happening to me. And I didn't have the relationship with my mom Mm -hmm. where I could go to her and say this was happening. But if I had the language and the relationship, then then I think I would have been able to go to her and say, hey, this is happening to me. So I think the fact that you have that with your daughter, I think will really prevent that from happening to her. And I think that... um, like, again, I'm not a parent, but I think for people, for, for other people with kids, and even if you're not a parent, but, it, you know, somebody that has kids in your life, like being someone that they can talk to and also just um, educating kids about grooming and that kind of a thing. What do you think? Um, I agree with that, like having those talks with your children. And I know a lot of parents um, are uncomfortable having that conversation. I feel like that's where that's why we are where we are in society as far as like um, sexual abuse upon children. Like nobody knows what to do and nobody knows what to say. So just to have that type of education within the household or even within the schools, um, I know that's going to be hard, though, because you know, talking about sex or whatever in schools is a very touchy subject. Um, But the reality is a lot of the abuse is happening at home. So obviously they're not going to have those conversations, you know? So I would just say the communication, the communication with the children about what's safe and what's not safe. I know you said that you had a video in school that talked about it, but I don't think we have that. When I was in school, we didn't. Mm Mm-mm. So, I mean, maybe to have, like, even a police officer or Mm -hmm. something, you know, talk to the kids and have something specifically talk about um, what abuse is and, you know, what to do when it happens to you. Um, I agree. And, like, even though there was that video, I don't think it was enough. And I don't think that it was specific enough because – you know, I was a kid and I didn't, I didn't understand it. So it needs to be understandable to kids and really clear cut. Um, oh, one, one thing I forgot mm-hmm. to mention that this reminded me of was that um, at the time when my mom um, had told me like not to speak to the police and she had said that um, she would never speak to me again if I did. Um, she also told me that she told everyone in her family, like all of her siblings and my cousins and her mom, my grandma, about it and told them that I was a liar and that it wasn't true. Um, and so I lived, I, oh yeah, God. and so I lived my whole life believing that. And it was really sad for me because it kind of surprised me mm-hmm. because they, like, they, they, to me, they seemed like really nice people. And I was kind of surprised by it. Um, but like, probably, mm-hmm. I want to say, like, to a year and a half or two years ago um I sent an email actually to all of my mom's um siblings and my cousins and I I Mm -hmm. told them like look this happened to me I don't think you know about this um I was told that you guys knew and just didn't care and they all most of them pretty much all of them responded and just said hey we had no idea and we're so sorry this happened to you we believe you and they were so supportive um and it was actually just so healing for me to hear that from them and um but um yeah so Mm -hmm. I think um as well when people talk about this like believe them because statistically the the um like the ratio of like false reports is so low that um believe Mm -hmm. people when they talk about it and um and have that relationship with your with your nieces and your nephews and people where um Mm -hmm. where they can talk to you about this kind of a thing i think yeah even though it's i agree with awkward that's a really good point (laughs) yeah i mean it is awkward but only because it's not talked about if it was something that we made normal to talk about then it wouldn't be as awkward and avoided well, Chelsea, um, thank you so much for for having me. Um, I can't wait to listen to more episodes of your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be more frequent, but I will admit, um, when I got your email, that kind of gave me another push. Like, okay, we got to keep going. You're like, so people, thank you. You're like, thank you so much. <laughs> they are all the way in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. So thank you so much. I really appreciate you. And I think you're so thank courageous. You. I need to send you that link of the website with your podcast. In it. <laughs> thank you should. Yes. You know, okay, my email. Well, thank you so much. And I subscribe. So if you when you put out in um, when you put out new episodes, I'll hear them. So awesome. Okay, you'll be on there soon. <laughs> Bye. All right. Bye. My sunshine, my sunshine, you made me happy. If you or someone you know may be experiencing sexual assault, please contact the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 800-656-4673. Or you can chat online at online dot rain dot org that's online dot r a i n n dot org